and gentlemen and everyone. This is One Notes Too Many, and you're welcome to another episode. And today, I would like to introduce a guest that we've waited for for a long time, and he did us a great favor by honoring our invitation. He is a professional countertenor. He's a singer-songwriter. I'll put his Spotify link and YouTube links in the description down below. He is a composer, an arranger, a conductor, and a voice coach. Now, for those of you who don't know, this podcast is about classical and choral music education. And for now, we've been interviewing, or we've started interviewing this season at least, classical and choral musicians in the country on um, topics they can educate us about or topics they can join the conversation about. And today for our guests, we know him for his um, part as a, as an alto singer in the Evergreen Harmonious Choral and my personal experience with him was when I heard the song Yes by James Wright Ama and it was a uh, I chanced upon it on YouTube and I heard yes the Agbaja rendition of Enyeyen also performed by our wonderful guest he is in the person of Joel Brian Aid Master or Maestro Joel Brian Aid Joel, thank you so much for honoring this invitation and thank you for being on our show. Thank you as well for having me. <laughs> great. Great, 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 great. Yes. So, um, where do I even start from? I had a lot planned, but <laughs> the, the, hour, the hour of the night are just like, I don't know. But um, yes, so I guess I'll just start with your singing. Yes. You're saying okay. the, your, your journey, right? So, um, we know you as a counter-tech. I mean, many people know you as an outdoor, but those of us who are a bit more inquisitive know you as a counter-tech. And so, just to clear the air, because you're talking a lot about that voice type, can you briefly talk about that voice type? Your journey as a counter-tech, did you start out as a soprano? Because I know a lot of guys who started out as soprano, their voice broke, and then they, some of them have even moved to tenor and bass and on over just to realize that they are counter tenors. So what's it about that voice type and the range that comes with it? Can you just shed a bit of light? Okay. Um, answer the question. In fact, where do I even start from? So it's my journey as a counter-tenor. So I would say that I didn't start off as a soprano. Even though I could do soprano when I was when I was young. Yeah, so um, I started off as an alto in the children's choir in my church. Um, my dad actually inspired us to sing because he loved music. Even though he didn't do music professionally, he loved and appreciates good music. So growing up, we had this beautiful moments at home where we were singing together. And also he got us some CDs and cassettes where 
music was being played and it was mostly hymns and choral classical stuff. Yeah, it later progressed into um, Ghanaian gospel tunes. I remember perfectly well, my dad gets in his um, cassettes from Daughters of Players Jesus. Um, there's one lady over there who happens to be uh, one of my mentors, Cynthia. I really love her rendition, so I was always trying to um, mimic her singing and all that. But my journey as a counter-turner is basically um, from the choral and classical renditions my dad brought home when we were young. So that's what instilled that kind of um, singing in me. So at church, I was doing alto. I started as an alto, very, very young. I would say I could sing probably at the later ages of two. And when I was seven, that was when I realized I could really, really do this alto thing very well. So um, I progressed into a boy band where I, w- I literally did everything over there as well. Because I realized my voice was breaking. And so at 12, I I, I developed uh, the tenor voice. And also going forward, I could do first and first, second tenor, and even first bass. So I was like, ah, what if, what what will happen to my alto voice? Then what do I do to maintain the alto voice? Then I realized um, that I could do even much, even with my head voice. That was when I discovered my head voice. So I I developed a demo because most of these boy band singers really really find it difficult to attach females to do alto. So they they require that some males in the group would do the alto. That was when I had to develop my head voice okay so basically counter trainers are um voices or let's say they are guys who do female voice types for example soprano or alto or mezzo soprano yeah when they are little they start as the start of as a treble and when they grow they develop to become altos and even counter trainers let me put it that way so um i I developed my singing, possibly in church and in the boy band. That was how come I became a counter-tenor. Yeah. Okay, so guys who are counter-tenors can call themselves altos too. Is that like what you're saying? So, altos and sopranos are female voice types. Female voice types. Yeah, they are for females. Yes. Of course, there are male autos and male sopranos, but the right voice flag or voice classification to give to them is counter-tenor. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, your voice type is a counter-tenor, yes, sure. But you, what, how people recognize you especially is, is with your riffs and runs and all of that. Your contemporary singing style but that's not always you're known for. And like it's I think it's really special that someone who is exceptionally skilled or like is very skilled with the riffs and runs can just switch to a classical voice type. And I say this because like I would reference your performance at the OT uh, concert in twenty twenty. When you were with the quartets and the choir singing uh, of Auditorium by Mozart, 
and you were singing the alto part in the in the quartet. It was it, it, it didn't sound like someone who you know the stereotypical contemporary voice type. Uh, it's very flamboyant. It, it's it, it's very peculiar. Like, and you don't normally relate it to someone who sings classical. But like, this was a totally different person, like a totally different voice, and it was very very fascinating. So I would I would very much, and I'm sure our listeners would also like to hear how you manage those switches, like from contemporary to, I mean, you you very well bring it into. Um, your choral because when especially when you are doing solos because when you are um should I say leading a song like oh JJ when you are leading a song you do your riffs and runs you you add a contemporary touch to it um and so like but when you are doing classical it's purely classic right so how do you manage those those things like those um transitions Yeah, um, I've had a lot of people tell me how I do it, so I'm not amazed this question is coming to me again. <laughs> Precisely, let's let's say graduating from the boy band thing. Um, my in-law introduced me to let's say should I say proper choral music per se, because then times in Ghana you don't really really hear an established group doing stuff. When I was growing up, there was. I think when my, my in-law introduced me to Salt and Light, that's when I discovered Amunia Squirrel Gun. And I was like, no, this is really, really beautiful. I mean, these people are taking choral music in Ghana to the next level. That was way, way back in 2010. Yeah. Before that, prior to that, I had listened to Winnipeg Youth Choir and was just, just like my church choir singing, you understand? Even though they were noted for to attend concerts and all that, but... I discovered HCN and I was like, no, these voices are really, really beautiful. And I would want to be a member one day. So I wasn't on social media then. I was really, really um, reserved and let's say an introvert of a sort. So I was um, always in my corner. So I, it was just by chance that I happened to be on Facebook. My mom created a Facebook account for me. Yeah, that was okay. how come I, I discovered HC. Yeah. And they opened auditions. And can you imagine that on the very day that I was supposed to audition, I had a concert with my boy band group. I had to tell them that I was going for this audition. They never understood the fact that I had to go for an audition on a very big program of ours. Like, they didn't really, really get it. I mean, what was the point? Can't this wait? Can't this wait till next year? I'm like, when will this come again? It's not a serious audition every year. It's just when they need singers at the audition. So let me just give it a try. And by then I had uh, encountered or met Lodina. So she was like, this is the moment. So I should just go for it. And I went there not knowing what voice type to sing. Because I could literally do alto tenor bass. But I had listened to them prior to the auditions and I'm like I I don't think I can fit in their soprano even though there's a male soprano in there but it's really 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 distinct in a way so let me try the alto and bass and see if any of them will 
the guy who is not sure of what practicing and i went there and it was like it was magical actually it was magic i couldn't i couldn't feel the tension anymore because these are role models i see on tv i rather felt starstruck when i met um these beautiful singers at the on the panel so um i entered by god's grace and I in Amunos Corral, the challenge is really, really huge. You need to live up to the challenge. So, you have beautiful counter-tenders over there, and you can't come and use your contemporary knowledge to come and do the choral singing in Amunos Corral. Do you get it? So, I had to live up the challenge. I I had to look for mentors, counter-tenor mentors, and um, try to develop a beautiful uh, voice timbre to be able to match up the standard in the choir. That's how come I, 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 I developed my classical style of singing in a countertenor voice. I happened to listen to um, Felipe Jaruski, who's a countertenor. I happened to listen to David Daniels, who's also a countertenor. Those are my two favorites. Yeah. But Bejan Meta is a beautiful countertenor. I listen to him as well. And Eston Davis, I love him as well. Andreas Shaw, I love Andreas Shaw and James Bowman. I love all these beautiful countertenors. So I, I listened to them and I learned a whole lot of classical pieces um, through them. Do you understand? So that's how come I developed that beautiful Teshatura when it comes to countertenor singing. I, I literally had to um, force myself to meet that standard because there's a choir that is uh, made for excellence. So if you are not really, really excellent, you you'll be found wanting, you'll be there and you'll be underutilized. Because I felt I had the capacity to do things, so I had to level up to meet the standard. And God being so good, I did that. Already, I had my boy band style of singing over there, which made me a bit versatile. So, Eddie Gazy at that time, was a deputy director and I think pitched the idea to Jim Sama to try me on some of the tenor solos as well. And mm-hmm. that's how come I was able to do my my stuff when it comes to the baritone or tenor solo singing as well so that's that's all i can say for now yeah oh yeah i have like a lot more questions but let me just let me just start off um the you yeah there are a lot of like uh, routines for singers to adapt right to and i'm very sure there are practice routines you you have established as like like we see of course like you have taken up and um there are a lot of things out there on tiktok on instagram all these voice coaches saying various things now one thing that's actually intrigued me like, personally is that are these are all these exercises because like when when i'm with choirs and the one of the questions i get is that we for example, like we've seen this exercise, these runs by this um, TikToker that to be able to expand your vocal range or to be able to have better breath control, you have to sing this particular syllable in this particular way, something like that. Like, But when you actually check out that TikToker or that influencer spreading that knowledge, they mostly manage or handle um, pop singers and R&B singers. It makes me wonder, is there uh, a difference right, between you know, managing your voice for 
R&B singing, especially when it comes to vocal runs and breath control. Because I know it's definitely not the same. Because when you're singing classical music, you have to deal with a lot of mellissimus phrasing, uh, like ev- everything. Everything is so important when you're, when you're singing classical music. It has to be precise. So I know that some exercises may... I, I want to find out if some exercises would be um, would would contradict the singing style of classical or choral music, like and the general things out there. Is it your you get the absolute right when you say that? Yeah, yeah. So um, in fact, the fact the fact is there are there are different approaches to singing these styles of music or these genres. You you can you use a choral these styles of music depend on one particular um, voice training technique of what vocal coach you need to find a background of the vocal coach whether she, he or she is doing um, coaching for classical or doing coaching for um, R&B or pop or even reggae I mean there are styles or there are approaches to being this kind of thing and for me personally, let me put myself in this particular experience because it's it's something I've been going through for a while, and I have grown to appreciate and adapt to several changes when it comes to my vocals. I I find all kind of music, all kind of music, or all kind of all genres of music appealing to me. I haven't come across any kind of all style of music that is really really irritating in my ear. So far as there are beautiful melodic tones in there or some harmonies that really makes sense to me, I appreciate it. So I'm like, I'm that kind of person who wants to try everything. Because I want to try everything where it, when it comes to music, I need to train to be able to do that particular thing. So far, the ones I have strong hold on is classical and contemporary and even choral. So I have trained myself in the choral aspects with with the help of some vocal trainers who who are um who have the choral and classical background. And also being able to also do so for the same for the contemporary style as well you don't necessarily need to get a vocal coach all you need to get is a mentor you, you need to understand a mentor you, you should probably have a classical singer who you really admire the person has a page the person has a youtube channel you must try and follow how the person does this uh, or her stuff when it comes to singing and one way or the other, that person might also upload some um, routines he or she does to be able to sing the way he or she does. So it's very, very necessary to know the kind or style of music you are going to sing and train in that aspect. The train, the vocal training stuff is not a universal thing. You should find the background of the trainer so that you'll be able to follow suit. Okay, so that you, you are not led astray. So there are training techniques for classical singing and that and there's that's for pop singing as well okay it's not universal right yeah now, looking at um backgrounds you know that we know that over here we have uh, we have a different culture especially our eating routine uh even our waking up like at the times we, we commute to work all of that everything is totally different or somehow different from the western world for example and to look at let's look at eating routine for example the kinds of food we eat over here are mostly spicy and full like the the, the high contents of carbohydrates and starch and like 
fats and all of that, right? And so um, I have seen, I'm not really an expert in this because like I have grown, you know, I, I started out singing, but less than three years after I started singing, I, I, found, an, I found another instrument. The voice is also an instrument, by the way, just to clarify to my listeners. I found another instrument called the keyboard and I somehow abandoned singing. I should have beginning was seriously inviting me, but anyway, um so I didn't Please, you have to go back to sing again. You have to go back to sing again. I have to I have to sing it. So um the eating routines, right? It's something that I always tell my choristers to be very careful of, especially when they have a concert or they have to they have to perform the next day uh, or that evening or something right that be wary of maybe spicy foods or but they don't see the significance of it right and i've even heard some bases say oh when we take beer or when we take something that is very cold it it's you know sits the voice down in the lower very step all of that all of those funny funny myths and it's like the you research and like you find a lot of contradicting things so like what do you what do you know about that like eating things and what to eat and what's not to I I have grown to appreciate the fact that we are all different human beings. So it is very necessary to know yourself, you know your system and what your system accepts and what your system doesn't accept. Things that would be good for singers might not be good for you because you have allergies to certain things. You understand? We we are different in in our own way. But as much as possible, when we have a performance to do, we, we are not advised to take sugar, you're not advised to take cold water, you're not advised to take spicy foods. I mean, anything that will generate phlegms or right. make your throat dry, it's, it's not advisable to do so. And even oil, like fatty foods. So it's, it's, it depends. Do you understand? I, I wouldn't prescribe some um, item of food or food stuff for singers because we are all different, but as much as possible, when you have a performance to do, don't don't take the things I have I mentioned so far. I'm chilled water, oily foods, fatty foods, and sugar. Like it's it's kind of like brings out flames more or makes your throat dry. Do you understand? You need to always stay lubricated. Your voice needs to be lubricated all the time. So something um, at room temperature is cool. It's good. And one thing I always advise my singers to do is to always steam. Steam is steaming is very, very necessary. Like it's very, very good for singers. It just clears the pores in your nostrils. Oh, okay, steaming. I'm not I've not really heard of that. Like, how, how do you Oh st- steaming, you just you just boil water. And the vapor right. or steam that comes out of it, you cover your head with a towel and, and the water. Just just steam. Oh, like steam. the treatment for cool. Exactly, precisely okay. that. Right, right, right. Yeah, you, you need to keep that place warm. That vocal cord needs to be warm all the time. So you need to steam. It really, really helps. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me let let's let's go off a bit into now. There's a bit of a, a bit of like a controversy, small, right? So, uh, you know when I heard about you know like oh contemporary music being infused into choral music i was a bit 
some way about it. Maybe I felt like uh, I I felt like contemporary singing is more laissez-faire, and I felt like gatekeep the you know the elitism or I don't know the professionalism or something in 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 choral and classical music, but especially. I used to think that a lot, especially because of um, how when I was coming up as a keyboardist, my group of friends of like instrumentalists, the contemporary ones, how they did not like to read music, right? Because contemporary music, especially jazz and R&B and pop, uh, let's say pop and R&B are quite formulaic. So, I mean, all the songs kind of have a particular common chord structure, but uh, let's put jazz aside, but I guess it's pop and iron. And these things, this, these instrumentalists wouldn't know, even know how to read music, but they were very proficient on the keyboard. They understand the, the, the nomenclature and the technologies and everything around playing the keyboard and the key signatures, all of them. I don't read music. So it made me feel very skeptical about bringing contemporary music into the world of pop. But I want to find out from you you are like the expert for you on blending contemporary and choral music and i know you read music and um, sheets music like you read music proficient and how essential is it to grasp the fundamentals of music theory as a singer because i've had when i was asked this question the answer I gave was um, that the person should like kind of look at the trajectory they want to go on, like, where they want to end up singing, and how far they want to go, and all of that. Mostly, they, they don't get that answer, so I just told, told them to think about it. And, but I think that, you know, like um, learning music theory fundamentals, for example, as an instrumentalist, you can't do away with it. But as a singer, people tend to find their way around it. So how what what do you have to say about that? I mean so that I still marvel at the way some contemporary singers can't read music because I'm like, how are they able to play such amazing tunes when they can't even read music? You understand? Yeah. Um it makes you it makes you uh, appreciate music even the more. But me, for instance, per my experience, I rather felt choral music. I mean, classical and choral music is for the elites. Like they say, you you need to be disciplined enough to to um, do such music. Do you understand? Because it it requires some discipline. There are printed out stuff for you to just follow. It's art music. You need to do just as it is written on the paper. But contemporary kind of gives you the um, the liberty to add lip, the liberty to just um, play around some notes and all of that. And it doesn't tell you not to learn music. It's it's rather um, gives you room to be creative. It rather gives you room to be innovative with your craft. Do you understand? Yeah. So I I I rather want to uh appeal to these contemporary singers to rather learn how to uh appreciate music or learn how to read some so I, I i encourage them because even in our schools even like academia before you become um a voice 
a voice professional, like a music graduate, you need to you need to learn how to read, you need to learn how to play a piano, you need to learn how to sing. And mostly these songs they give out are choral or classical pieces. Do you understand? So it tells you that you require some discipline in choral music. And that's how come. I mean, that's some of the things that really pushed me to study classical music even more and even take music to the academic level. Now that I have a diploma in music, I, I can clearly help um help correct certain things when it comes to correct um, contemporary music because sometimes the how many uh, structures they use are sometimes against the rules and against the principles yeah. so yeah. Yeah, the knowledge i have in my music background or music education background i'm able to like correct certain things when it comes to contemporary music so i i feel that it's high time we actually um encourage these people to appreciate i i i don't i don't uh i don't uh i don't think it is very very necessary to to uh downplay the value of music education when it comes to contemporary music i mean that's how come most of them are not really really regarded by the elites do you understand you go to a particular professional place and like these people come to sing and they're like what what is happening you understand but whenever they see this classical people standing there do what they do they are marbled they are marbled and it's it's because of the training they've gone through i mean they're able to tell that this is a is so on a sheet of paper but with a contemporary people they don't know that so it's it becomes very very um difficult to even appreciate what they do when it comes to the elites so i will encourage them to learn uh, it's really really good if they, if they learn and appreciate music even more at least basic rudiments when it comes to music it's very, very necessary not only the instrumentalists but even the singers as well because sometimes we the gospel musicians we have nowadays don't even know um some keys they sing in all they do is just start singing and the keyboard yeah, that's it's always fine. so annoying it's always so annoying for instrumentalists i'm coming from yeah if you have if you have these basic rudiments on your fingertips, you can be able to tell which key is favorable for you. You can be able to tell your vocal range. You understand? You need to go to school. You need to, you need to learn either formally or informally. There, now things are easy. Everything is online. Everything is on the internet. So you're able to like learn on your own, self-teach yourself, and you're good. You understand? Like it's yeah. very, very necessary for every musician to have the rudiments yeah. on his or her fingertips. And if possible, learn how to play an instrument. It's a very good requirement for every singer, for every musician. So, yeah. not necessarily like going to take a four-year course of all of all of that. Like no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, really God be so good. You. Yeah, God be so good. Aside the the internet and the YouTube that we have, there there are some short courses as well, like UBRSM which really really pushes people to to the next level because it's quite it's an international standard and if you're able to do such courses you are really really regarded when it comes to music yeah so it is very necessary everybody every musician everybody who sees music as a passion should be able to have some um formal background in the course yeah okay so you've, you've mentioned ABRSM, mentioned your diploma. I would want us to go a bit more into the education of it and like outline a small part of, let's say, upward mobility. Like, where can I go? Where can I, where can I take my, my music or my career from singing in church to, you know, all those steps? 
looking at the um, structures of, you know, music education, right? You have like the regular bachelor's degree, you have the diploma course, you have ABRSM instrument, voice, and all And um, a lot of the time, choristers, a lot of the time, actually, yeah, choristers have come to me asking, oh, I want to be a soloist. How can I be a soloist? When, when you really look at it, it's a, it's a very plausible question that what is the way forward? You know, when you are, for instance, a doctor, you can go on to specialize, become a neurosurgeon, all of those things. When you sing in a choir, like, for example, let's say the basic one, your church choir, where you grew up, you want to take things to the next step, you have you have a diploma in music or something, or you have a, you have an ABRSM certificate, whatever level in an instrument. What is the way upwards for someone? Because we know that in contemporary music, you can go to become your own, um, well, like artist and your own name and all of that. Like, what's the way upwards for for someone classical choral? Okay, okay, okay. So, um, like, um, clearly said, you you need you need the formal training. Do you understand? We live in a country where singers or potentials enter the studio, record a song, give it to this radio people presenters, and they play and. The song is out there and they call themselves musicians because there's this um, umbrella called music where each and every person who discovers himself as a, as a musician enters and becomes a member. Do you understand? So yeah. we, we live in that particular country where people don't really, really regard your certificate when it comes to music. Do you get it? Yeah. So you don't, you don't necessarily have to go to school for it, but it is very, very important for me, per the experience I have had so far and where I want to get to with music and to be able to meet international standards. I really, really feel it is very necessary to go to school to become a professional musician. Do you understand? You need to know your, 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 your rudiments. You need to know your vocal range. You need to appreciate your voice fact. You need to know your the do's and don'ts when it comes to singing this, when it comes to singing that, when it comes to singing anything you want to sing. You need somebody to vocally train you. You need somebody to direct you. You need to go through a process. So um imagine or um perhaps you are done with this particular course as a singer. How to get to the top depends on you. Now there's something called music business. As part of my diploma course, I did that. And it's very, very necessary for every uh, musician to take that course as well because you need to know how to market yourself as a musician. You you market uniqueness. You don't market what everybody does. You need to bring that unique side of you for people to appreciate that side so that they'll always be willing to listen to your music. Do you understand? If that uniqueness is really, really good and it sells, that is show business. You are able to project what you have that is different from other singers. That's how come you get to the top. Okay, because you need to, um, as a soloist, you need to find you apart from other people. 
that's how can you become a soloist? Do you understand? With regards to all the singing um, criteria or uh, the good singing criteria, you need to also find that uniqueness you have in your voice to be able to sell your brand. For instance, myself, Joe Boledu, I know I'm a counter-tenor. What makes me different from other counter-tenors? And because of um, the, the embellishments I add to my voice and because of some things I do that you will listen to a particular audio and, and can tell that this is Joel singing. Do you understand? I should be able to do that with you as well. I should be able to do that with anybody who wants to become a soloist as well. I need to hear a particular record play and say, oh, this is Frida singing. I need to hear a particular record and hear, oh, this is Ebenezer singing. This is Noel singing. That's how come you sell your brand. Okay, you need to find that uniqueness in you to be able to sell your brand. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Joel, thank you so much. All too soon, we have to close the curtains of this um, series of this um, recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's been a special one. It's been a really special one. And I'm sure my listeners would very much appreciate everything you said here. Everything that has been mentioned here. Lovely. Atmost. Atmost. Top, top, top. But and I'm I I am really grateful. So listeners, you know what to do. Rate this episode, share, like, download. Always come back for more. Bigger, bigger, bigger stuff ahead. Hopefully Joel wants to be a part of this in the near future. And I'll disturb him small, but you still come. Certainly. Certainly. <laughs> so yes, I have to you have to we have to bring the episode to an end so yes thank you so much joel as usual listeners take care of yourself we'll talk more yeah bye